setting up and talking about what our goals are for the new year, and and this is uh, this is maybe another level or another step of that. But we started the year by saying that the theme of Harvest was that we want the real you, and then um, last week we kind of began to expound on that and explore what that would mean for each of us when it comes to you know casting off shame and realizing that we um, from the beginning of time were not inherently evil. Uh, you would be shocked that we had um, several social media comments of people that refused to believe that they were created in the image of God and actually created to be good. Several people that rejected that notion. Now think about the, the, the uh, far-reaching consequences of somebody refusing to believe that they were made out of good stuff and what that does to someone's you know, thought process, their emotions, their well-being. I know many of you, that was news to you and something you probably struggled with this week. Uh, is what Pastor Dan is saying, is what he's saying, is, is it true? Is it, is it right? Because uh, the Bible talks about having um, you know, a heart that is deceitfully wicked. And so how can, that, how can that have that scripture and yet, and Pastor Dan's saying that's not necessarily true. So I encourage you, if you weren't here, go back and watch it. It is a, it, listen, it is a, it's like the axle in a car. It is essential. It is, it is yeah, foundational. It is a principle of, of who we are and what we are trying to do as a community. If, if you are walking around here gripped by the idea that you are some shameful, deceitfully wicked thing, being, and, you know, just, you know, desperately holding on for God to, like, come down and, and make, you know, wave his magic wand and, and make you not so deceitfully wicked anymore. It, it's a really, really bad place to be. And the reason is, is because if you, if you are living from that principle, then at any moment, somebody from a pulpit or a microphone or a podcast can convince you that you're not doing enough and now you're back into that deceitfully wicked mode. And it's the way that we've controlled people for, for generations. Um, this, this kind of third message of the year is, is, is a little bit different, and, and I want to concentrate on everybody's favorite topic, and that is our wounds. Our wounds. Uh, you know, we are all wounded. Those of you who say, I don't really have any wounds, have the most wounds. Because you've built such a scab, you've built such a barrier to to those things. You've distanced yourself so far that it takes time to get back. We we all have wounding. We all walk in here with wounding. Uh, the joke is, of course, um, uh, some of you guys chipped in and, and Roland ordered a Funko Pop and on it it said, Woke Pastor Dan. Uh, I don't know if you were here for that service. They gave it to me for my birthday. And um, that's a word that's been politicized. It should have never been politicized and used that way. But it's a word that has negative connotations for half of the country and has positive connotations for the rest of the country. Um, but the reason that people people outside of the church sometimes will negatively label me as woke, they're, in, they're trying to negatively label me as woke. When they say that, I'm like, thank you. Uh, the reason they say that is because we do things like um, respect people. And... And when they tell us something about themselves, we say, okay. 
like, you know, when people are dying in another country, regardless of whether they're on one side or the other, when innocent people die, we're upset about it. Come on, do you hear me? We believe that an immigrant child has the same inalienable rights as a child that's born in this country. You know, things like that, that apparently makes us woke and everybody tries to politicize it. But I refuse to have issues of human rights become political issues. We are not a political church. We are a church that believes in respecting humanity. And if that, if that telegraphs a certain way to people, I'm sorry, that's your problem, not mine. Come on, do you hear me today? And, and one of the reasons that people say that we're, we're, we're woke around here is because we, we try to respect and take a wide berth around people who are wounded. Not a wide berth like we're not willing to help, but we respect that people have, you know, the word that's also become negative is this idea of triggers. Oh, I'm triggered. I'm triggered. I'm triggered. And so we make fun of people that are triggered. The reality is, is that every one of us have certain triggers. Certain, we used to call them when I was younger, buttons. We just have a new word for it and everyone freaks out. Like, you, 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 I, you pushed my button. You, you triggered me. And so it's like, oh, these snowflakes out here that have all these triggers. This is the stuff we hear. The, the, do, you, do you understand that by collectively looking out for one another's trauma and triggers and buttons and past pain and doing our best to create an environment where those things won't be aggravated, but they will actually experience healing, if that makes me woke, And, and what's good for you is not necessarily good for this person over here. And so, you know, I can get up and say something and 80% of the room go, yeah. And 20% of the room be literally traumatized. And the 80% of the room just goes, what's the problem? Well, I bet you with you who thinks, oh, I don't understand. I bet you I could find something that would trigger you and say it and cause you to leave here faster than you could and never look back. So the idea of being a community of people that is paying attention to one another's wounds and therefore doing our best to navigate and create an environment here where people aren't re-traumatized is not woke, it's not this, it's not that. It's actually being a Christian. Come on, look at, look at Jesus. He takes the stripes upon his back, he, the flesh wounds, and it says that by his stripes, we are healed. Another version says by his wounds, we are healed. See, wounds oftentimes, you know, are, are, are the thing that comes before healing. And church should be a place of healing. It, sh- it should be a place like a hospital that has different levels where you have people that are in intensive care, who need intensive care, who, who we have to be very careful. There's some of you here in this room that when I approach you or talk to you, if I'm going to put my hand on your shoulder, I ask permission to put my hand on your shoulder. If you ask me to pray for me and I go to hold your hands, I say, is it okay if I hold your hands? Because that person and what they've experienced requires that level of care. Whereas Jakima, I would tackle him without even asking him. <laughs> Different levels of care. We can't apply the same thing 
to everyone in the room. We have to actually care enough to sit down and hear one of those stories. That's why the Koinonia Supper Club is so important. You can sit around the table. It's not about let's share all of our wounds. Let's know how we can be healing to one another. And without knowing the people around us, we can't know how to be that healing part of their life. Henry Nowen wrote a book in 1972 called The Wounded Healer. The title of my message is The Wounded Healers, because that's what I want to be. And it talks about Jesus, and it talks about that in his woundedness and in his wounds, he was also healing humanity. Which means that even though we are all in the process of healing our own wounds, we can, from our wounds, learn to bring healing to one another. It is not a let me get my wounds healed and then I'll become a healer. We are wounded healers. I'll never forget the beautiful, beautiful picture of Jesus as he took his, the evidence of his wounds. Right? He, he, it wasn't his voice that made Thomas know he was, it wasn't his face that, that, that informed Thomas that he was, he was the Messiah. You'd think that his face would be enough, his voice would be enough, his, the way he walked would be enough, the, the people that were around him would be enough. It wasn't that, it was his wounds that revealed ultimately that he was the Messiah. It is through our wounds that we reveal the truth about who God is. It's why, and, and, and if, you're, if, you're, if you're connecting the dots here, you're going to go, oh, he's, he's actually thinking weeks in advance about this. Because it, it starts with authenticity and vulnerability. Right? It starts with us being willing to share these things with one another. Being willing to realize it, it, it doesn't make us, it doesn't set us apart or make us isolated to say we have wounds. It actually is, means that we're just like everyone else in the room. Robin and I have been talking about this. The wounds that she has, we're, we're both divorced and remarried. Now the crowd's going to have to, you're going to not be here next week. Um, um, we're both divorced and remarried, and we're talking about some of the wounds from our relationships and from our past and from our past relationships, things that we both did to wound and also were wounded through, and how that plays out in our own relationship. And we have to talk about that stuff. Otherwise, we just perpetuate the wounding. If I don't know what re-traumatizes her, I can't love her well. And if she doesn't know what re-traumatizes me, she can't love me well. That's not being a wimp. That's not being some, you know, emotionally needy, you know, whatever we label people as. That's, that's called real communion. That's, that's, that's real relationship. And we don't sit there and talk for five hours about, mom, my wound this and my wound that. That's not the point of it. The point is that I care enough that I want to be, I want to be a healthy, healing part of your life. And this is how this community is being built and will continue to be built. I want to be a healthy, healing part of your life, just like you want to be a healthy, healing part, healthy, healing part of my life. So we got to know these things. Now, without getting into too much detail, KK and I have had conversations about this, learning to navigate this stuff, because we work, you know, together here. We're the only two full-time employees of the church. We have some folks that split time, um, but KK and I, we've, we've basically have made her cry three times in the past year. I know. And, nope, and um, we're not going to that level of vulnerability today. But in that, in the context,
conversations that ensued, and sometimes those conversations were not, like, super friendly in trying to navigate that. There was defensiveness. There was stuff that, that I, I would love to have done differently in conversing. But the end result was that we got to learn something about one another that was important to know for future interactions. Because there are wounds that we both have that we have to navigate around in order to even work together efficiently and well. Now, we could simply say, I'm the boss, you do the job, or go get another job. But then the person that comes behind KK or replaces KK, first of all, would not be near as great or have such a great husband. But they're also going to have their wounds. And my wounds remain. It's often funny because we will, we will exit relationships or friendships thinking to ourselves, that person just got too many issues. Well, so do you. And, and we, people, people like to say, I seem to attract the same type of people. Do you? So you just keep bringing the same personality of people back into your life over and over again. Or maybe it's the same set of wounds that we're all carrying that seem to play out in similar circumstances with people who may or may not be the same. So let me give you some context for this. Is this okay today? Is this okay, Kay, today? All right. If you're wondering who misbehaved the most in those interactions, it was me. So just so you know, all right, it was not KK. It is very hard 
reverse of it. I'll stay on the positive side of it. If we focus on the life and the ministry and the way that Jesus loved and healed even through his own wounds, and we make room for people to be in the process of healing their wounds and us participating in the process of healing one another's wounds, you can't have and maintain certain stances that are so As a way of working on you and I and our thoughts and our beliefs and our, you know, uh, ideology, if you will, that might, I'm having a tough time articulating this because I, 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 I don't want to say the negative of it. I will, I will preach from my own perspective. My outlook on the world, on our nation, on our global effort has shifted over the years fairly dramatically. And that shifting has not come and then it informed my Christianity. My Christianity and my journey with understanding God has informed my worldview. And the opposite is oftentimes true, where we, we maintain an ideology and force our Christianity or our faith, our ecumenical approach would be a good way to put it. We, 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 form, we form that based on our ideology and not the opposite. And I believe that everything flows from Jesus. So when we understand Jesus in a different way, our ideology and our outlook on the world should shift. Otherwise, the tail is wagging the dog. Come on. This is, come on, let's work through this. I know this is tough. If we are more married to our ideology or our politics than we are to discovering new understandings about the heart of Jesus, then we are worshiping a false god. And that false god shifts and changes with the wind. And then we, we try to figure out why our lives are in such chaos and disarray and why we can't seem to anchor on anything. It's because you have dropped your anchor with 20 foot of rope and 60 foot of water. And we are not attached to anything because the people running the political system out there on both sides don't care about you any more than anything else. And you are not, they are not there to anchor you. They're not there to protect you or your family or your church or anything else. They are there for themselves. Do you hear me? Especially on a national level. They're there for themselves. Which means if we don't anchor ourselves in an ever-growing understanding of the life and the ministry and the heart of God, then we are not anchored at all. Come on, I'm going to preach that right now. No, I won't. I'm going to back off of it because some of you are looking at me like I've lost my mind. Um, let, me, let me say this to you. So, so w- when we, we'll get back to kind of what I was talking about. When we refocus our efforts on being those wounded healers to one another, creating an environment where wounds are being healed. You know, I, I have been in faith structures my entire life different types, every flavor you can possibly imagine. I've also traveled a tremendous amount and have seen faith institutions, not just Christian ones, all over the world. I am by no means a world religion expert, 
but I have a decent amount of experience with a lot of different faiths and a lot of different flavors of faith within Christianity. I have been a part of many movements. I have been around many leaders. I, I have. I, I will tell you this. I, I, I've learned a lot over the years that was positive, but I have also learned from what I believe were some major mistakes. And one of the major mistakes that we have, we've fallen into over the years is this idea that, that people need Jesus because of their great woundedness and shortcomings. But somehow when they receive Jesus, those woundedness and shortcomings, they have a shelf life of how long they're allowed to play out in your life. For we demand, quote unquote, you get your life together and start producing fruit that looks like a Christian. And what we're doing is we're essentially saying that no matter what you've been through or how traumatic your life has been, that you need to... We've told people that you accept the idea that Jesus came to, you know, to rescue your life, and from that moment, everything changes. And then we leave that encounter, and we go, I kind of still feel like I just did. And some charismatic preacher is up there saying, no, no, everything's different. Look at the smile on her face. No, she just feels awkward right now. And she smiles when she feels awkward. Right? And we leave these things, and we still go back to the same problems and the same people and the same situation or the same job or the same this or the same that or the same financial stress or the same whatever, uh, you know, physical stress that's going on or, or, or ailments or sickness or whatever it is. And, and we just like, I thought everything was supposed to change. And then the minute that happens, we then, right, we, we, we carry our wounds with us past salvation, right? And so the wounds are still with us, but nobody's actually... Nobody's actually participating and being a community where our wounds can be healed. And if our wounds aren't healed quick enough, we're blamed for it. Well, are you doing your devotions? Are you praying enough? Are you giving? That's very important, giving. Are you giving? Are you in community with people? Are you a part of the Koinonia Supper Club? What are you doing? This is your fault. This is your fault. This is your fault. This is your fault. And the last thing wounded people need to hear is that the reason that they're feeling or why they're feeling what they're feeling is their fault. Instead of realizing we're called to bear one another's burdens, which is a fancy word to say we're supposed to be participating in one another's healing journey. We're supposed to give a you-know-what about one another, period. You know how wonderful it is that somebody is, and, and, and this church is far from perfect. We are not perfect. We miss it all the time. Some of you, I'm sure, have been disappointed at times. But you know how beautiful it is when one of you notices that somebody else is, hasn't been here and checks on them or sees that somebody was having surgery and you send them a message on, on, you know, on social media saying, hey, I saw you have surgery. Do you need anything? Just simply knowing that somebody else outside of your little circle cares about you. And maybe that's the only person that checked on. You know how beautiful that is as a community to care about one of those wounds or after a message that I preach to see that somebody may be having a tough time with something and checking on them. And they might just say, oh no, it just meant so much to me. And, and what he was saying just, you know, oh man, it you know, brought back all these emotions. Or maybe it brought back a bad memory of something in their life. Taking 
time to check on one another. To realize that sometimes my wounds are going to cause me to react to things, and I want people to be there for me. Therefore, I want to be there for other people and vice versa. I'm going to read this to you. Um, Paul put it this way. I'm going to sum up um, some of the letters that he wrote to Corinth that we call Corinthians. But Paul details a pathway to stewarding one another's wounds. He says, we all have gifts. Here's, here's, here's six quick things that every one of us can do to be a part of that, these wounded healers that are out here. We all have gifts, so offer your gifts to the community and to the body. You don't know the story, and I'm not going to tell it. I won't, I promise. But Anna's offering her gift last week, coming from a place where she's experienced some woundedness. That's all, that's as far as I'll go. But she experienced some woundedness, and she's offering her gift from that place. And here she's standing up here. One side of her cheek has tears from the wound, and the other side of the cheek is tears from the opportunity to, to see how she's touching and healing some of you. Do you see that it's, it's, it's both and? We can still be feeling and experiencing the wound and yet still be offering our gifts to one another and somebody might be experiencing healing from a place of your woundedness. <laughs> I know. I didn't write it. Number two, of course, Paul says to love one another. He wrote a whole chapter on it, of course, in, in, in chapter 13. To be patient with one another. We are losing our patience as a society. And I won't preach on that. But we're losing our, we need to be more patient with one another. Sometimes people just need another chance. They just need a little more time. Come on. Number four is be willing to help each other as needed. Looking out for one another. Like being ready to jump to help somebody if they need help. Number five is practicing extravagant hospitality. Take the opportunity to be hospitable to one another. This is a biblical, scriptural thing. To welcome people. I know some of us are more introverted than others, and it's easier for me because I'm an extrovert, but just simply seeing somebody that looks that every single week, I promise you every single week, at least one person walks in here and they look scared out of their mind. They look so scared. extravagantly hospitable and gentle. Take the time to listen. Ask for God to give you just some some good, healthy, you know, uh, approach to being gentle and kind and, and soft. Another great thing that we can do to create an environment where those of us that are still wounded can also be healers. The last one is enjoy one another's company, celebrating your differences as well as those that you hold in common. I, 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 I love this because um, we read that Jesus says to love our neighbor. He never actually said to love fellow Christians. He said to love your neighbor, which means your neighbor can be the exact opposite of you in every way possible, and we're still called to love them. I'll do this. Test yourself and find somebody in this little community here, not after service, because then they're going to know. Okay? But test yourself. Find somebody in this community you think to yourself, I probably have nothing in common with them. There's nothing in common I could have with them. Test yourself.
yourself. See if you can sit down, look somebody in the eye, have a conversation with them. Maybe it's over Food Truck Sunday in February. Maybe it's over the Supper Club. Maybe you invite them to have lunch or something or whatever it may be. I dare you to sit down and have a conversation. And you will find that even though you thought that you could have nothing in common with that person, you probably have more in common than you could ever imagine. That's the enemy's lie, trying to divide us, trying to make us think that we're so different we could never have anything in common. I dare you. I dare you. This is good, Dan. This is so good. You're so good at this. You're so good at this. Let me read you a couple things, and then we're going to close. Um, a, a friend of mine um, wrote recently on Facebook this, and I thought, oh, man, this is perfect. This is so good. Um, he wrote this. He said, thinking about my last post and the tender privilege of being our sibling's keeper, of living with one another in our mutual woundedness, it is true that love looks for, acknowledges, and carefully charts the wounds of the other. It commits itself to the healing of those soulish injuries. It does this first by admitting and honoring their reality, and then by casting them not with plaster and cotton, but with the protection of sensitive language and interaction. We do not uncarefully bump into one another's hurts. We are not inadvertent with the other's heart. We take a wide but not distant berth around their pre-existing pain. Love stewards wounds. It stewards them with great hope. Hope that the wound will not have the last word, that the wound will heal and close, and ultimately potentially even become a source by which others find healing. Yes, this is the stewardship of wounds, our own and those of our traveling companions. By his wounds we are healed, indeed. Wounds not for the sake of wounds, of course. There is no glory in them for their own sake, no intrinsic benefit of martyred suffering. But we admit together the impossibility of making it through this life unscathed. And we decide to take some graced agency over our pain and grief. And we commit ourselves to these wounds and their healing. And then we offer them, even as they are yet in their own process of healing, as witnesses to the possibility of the same for all the world. I'm going to end with a scripture. Jeremiah chapter 30. Hang with this one. Verses 8 and 9 and then 12 through 17. It shall come about on that day, declares the Lord of armies, that I will break his yoke from their necks and will tear to pieces their restraints, and strangers will no longer make them their slaves. But they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, who I will raise them up for them. And then this is a quote. Now listen to this. For this is what the Lord says. Your broken limb is irreparable. Your wound is incurable. There is no one to plead your cause, no healing for your sore, no recovery for you. This is what we're, we're told. All your lovers have forgotten you. They do not seek you. For I have wounded you with the wound of an enemy, with the punishment of a cruel one, because of your wrongdoing is great and your sins are numerous. Why do you cry out over your injury? Your pain is incurable because your wrongdoing is great and your sins are numerous. I have done these things to you. Therefore, all who devour you will be devoured. All your adversaries, every one of them, will go into captivity. And those who plunder you will become plunder. And those who plunder you, I will turn into plunder. For I will 
restore you to health. I will heal you of your wounds, declared the Lord, because they have called you an outcast. I'm going to say this to you. This is a complex scripture that I don't want to get into every part of it because I don't have the time. But every time there is a every time there is a group of people that have been made to feel like outcasts, there is immediately the response of heaven that wants to heal. All this pre-part here that seems so aggressive and angry is really what has been said over the people. And then the bottom of it here is God saying, no, 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 no. They have said that your wounds are incurable. He even speaks of relationships here that have left with, you know, scarring on the way out, labeling. You'll, no one will ever love you. No one will ever be there for you. You're too messed up. You're, you're, you're just, you're just, man, we, we do such a good job, a bad job, but a good job of tearing one another apart, especially when we leave relationships, reminding people of their brokenness and their wounds and the mess of their life trying to leave with some sense of idea of, you know, it was their fault this fell apart because they're so screwed up. There's so much in here that it hits for many of us that our broken limbs are irreparable, that our wounds are incurable, that no one would take up our case or our cause. There's no healing for our sores. There's no recovery for you. And the sad thing is, is that Many in the modern church just perpetuate this, but they just clean the language up a little bit. We've repackaged this. And the minute somebody doesn't fit into our healing timeline, we re-injure them with our words, with our demands. Because they're too messy. I want to declare to you exactly what I believe the Lord declares to us here, and that is, this is somebody finally we have a mess that's walked in so let's all go into our little savior mode and let's let's you know let's clean them up so they can be a trophy of God's grace realizing that nowhere along the way have we revealed that we are just as much as them we make them our projects that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about a place where people know 
as a church, that is a community of believers. They are not afraid of my mess. Have you heard that, Pastor? He is a mess. Shut up. Not you, him.
So I rarely say something after Dan's message, but I just want to share. When he said something about Anna getting up and singing, crying on one side, crying on the other, it hit me really hard. One day I'll, I'll be the, I don't know, what do we call it? Storyteller, sender, guest. I think my mom and I want to do it together. But I was thinking about that, I thought about, you know, I, I grew up, obviously, as a pastor's kid. In, in about middle school or late elementary school, like many of you who identify queer, realized that you were different in your classroom or on your ball team, because I played a lot of ball, you know. And um, as I started to come to the realization at it, of it, especially in high school, I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know? And I'm not going to tell you all of it, but I'll tell you this. When I see so many of you and the wounds that I carried and you walk in these doors have been hurt, really hurt by church give church another chance I feel like Anna felt maybe it was worth it you know it brings back some of those memories and kind of that church hurt but the other side of the face it's like my god it was worth it and folks are finding a place and I have found a place you all have healed me by giving it a chance to come to church and be like, yeah, you know what? There is, we can create a place where all people can come and truly be themselves and be safe. And so I just thank you because, you know, I know Dan talks about it, but I thank you as a community, as a church, who come in together with our wounds, with our fears and anxiety. I mean, I can't imagine for years, especially when I was in the closet, I didn't come out until about, it's like 32, 33. It was about seven, eight years ago. And Jill and I have been together 16 years. She's not here today, but so many times I came to church, fear of anxiety. And I look at this beautiful family that we have and how we really can just be wounded healers together. We can share our wounds. We can help heal each other's wounds. So I just want to thank you because you've whether you know it or not, each of you who walks in these doors has just trusted the idea of church again. You know, sometimes I just sit in the front row and I just cry because I'm like, this is incredible. And it heals my heart and it's just that salve in my heart and emotion. So, thank you. Thank you for being you in this community and I just look forward to welcoming more and more lovely people into this community in this new year. It's a, good, it's a good way to end. That's a great way to end. Yeah. Um, you guys are going to meet. You guys can head back to the classroom. We love you. I think enough has been said today. Take this with you. Let's commit ourselves to being the wounded healers, each one of us. Amen, church? See you next week.